Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's get to our guest. We've got Michael Metcalf, Global Head of Macro Strategy, State Street Global Markets, with us here in the Singapore studio. So we have just heard from President Biden, Michael, on uh, CNN saying that a recession in the US is possible, but any downturn would be very slight. And at the same time, the IMF warning of this worsening outlook for the global economy, saying the worst is yet to come. Your view here, and I guess how much is priced in? I mean, I I think recession risks certainly the we're talking about recession risks an awful lot uh, but you, you look at kind of equity valuations and they're still well they're still quite significantly higher than they would be if you if, if, if we were about to get recession and certainly the kind of global slowdown that the IMF is talking about so I I don't think we're there yet and and, and actually just uh, just just highlighting uh, the Biden comments, uh, if, if the recession does come, certainly consumer balance sheets and maybe even corporate balance sheets do suggest that it should be fairly shallow. So what the equity market may be telling us, I'm just wondering out loud, is that the Fed is going to have to pivot. And so it's going to be a less an earnings driven story when it comes to stocks and more about liquidity because the Fed has no choice. Something is going to break in the system and this tightening regime is going to come to an end. Well, yeah. I mean, look, that that, that, that was the lesson of the last tightening cycle, of course, wasn't it? Uh, and we're, we're getting, a, a, I suppose, a heads up or a warning of, of what might happen uh, in the U.S. With, with, the, with the U.K. right now, where you know clearly you've got tension between you know, the Bank of England's need to get rates up quickly to combat inflation against financial stability concerns. So I think that's going to be a new and difficult conflict for central banks to cope with. Which central bank kind of blinks first here and, and potentially does pause or pivot? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, I, I mean, well, I, I guess you've already seen some example of it with the RBA. Uh, you know, that's a you know, r- relatively small open economy. So, you know, they, they're going to get hit from the headwinds of uh, you know, this global growth slowdown that the IMF is warning about. Uh, but I, I do think in Australia's case, there are local factors which have allowed them to pause, which are that the housing markets rolled over more clearly and actually they don't have much wage growth. So I, I don't know how much I can extrapolate from that. But th- there's an example, I suppose, of a, a central bank that's you know, moving down from jumbo rate hikes to, you know, I guess, normal rate hikes, I suppose. I think it's fair to say the BOE is in a very tight spot, too, wouldn't you say, in about 30 seconds? Oh, completely. I, 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 look, but I, I think right now they need to get short rates up very, very quickly to, to reinforce the fact that they're fighting inflation. So can you weigh in here on the Bank of Korea? We had a policy decision of a half point increase, 50 basis points, widely expected. Is the BOK on track to kind of contain inflation or are they behind the curve very quickly? 
No, I, th I, th I think they're getting there. And, and it's interesting that they uh, you know, stepped back and then went back to 50 basis points. Shows that they take the weakness of the currency seriously and going to try and combat inflation. Mike, we were talking the other day about this move from the Biden administration to further restrict China's access to U.S. cutting-edge computer chip technology. What does this mean for China and the future of the semiconductor industry on the mainland? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is the, 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 the sort of the, tr the trade war narrative just come back in a different form, isn't it? Uh, you know, albeit more specific. Um, and uh, look, I, I do think we're at a sort of a, a pivotal point for China now where, you know, obviously we've just had the kind of the reiteration of zero COVID. Um, it looks like their policy has been successful in you know, you know, doing quite a significant deleveraging in the housing market. And what we're kind of waiting for now is whether that will open up um, uh, you, a, a much more stimulative policy set set of settings from China, and it d doesn't look like we're there yet. And so, unfortunately, I think having been a you know an, an area of upside growth surprises for quite some time, it's now actually running in the opposite direction. Uh, and as you know, I think it's part of the reason actually why the IMF were pulling growth forecasts down as well um, overnight. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the obviously the geopolitical tensions and the tensions between the U.S. and China are, are, are part of it. Um, but then it's just more a question of you. Know, can China really go back to being the growth engine for the global economy that it was? And so far, it doesn't look like that's the case. It certainly does need to see a pivot, as you say, on the COVID zero policy, but at the same time, a lot of other uh, domestic headwinds too, when you look at the property space. So does that just make you want to remain sort of cautious on the China story? I, I mean, it does. And it, 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 and actually, it's on EM more generally, because right now, you know, we, we, we know that this crisis has thrown out uh, you know, significant value opportunities in, 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 the, in EM currencies in particular, but EM assets more generally. Um, but the fact that we've got these kind of concerns about China means that we kind of hesitate for now. So if the wheels are coming off the wagon, so to speak, and there are going to be very few jurisdictions that drive growth, maybe the smart trade is to go to the credit side of the equation. I mean, if central banks are going to pivot at some point here in the near term, man, some of these, uh, these bonds look like screaming buys. It's it's interesting from a valuation point of view right now. It's quite hard to to, to make a case for either equities or bonds. But I, th I think we'll get to bonds quicker. Uh, and look, it it all comes to you know look it, it the, the, if the central bank pivot is driven by a financial sector dislocation, uh, you know unfortunately credit might get worse before it gets better. I think that's the, that's my only concern is if we're hoping that the the central bank's pivots will be. Um, created by something breaking, uh, that that means you get more risk off first. Um, I, I think that the only kind of good news from a central bank pivot will if it if it comes through lower inflation, uh, and unfortunately we're not doesn't look like we're going to get that just yet. But we will get it in the future, but it's not yet. And so this risk averse sentiment also means the dollar remains strong. We're looking at very big weakness coming through in Asian currencies and and worries about whether or not we see a repeat of 1997. What do you expect from the Bank of Japan? So I, th I think the Bank of Japan is, uh, you know, obviously under a lot of pressure to um, release its yield curve control to some degree, uh, and I, I do actually think that, that there's building evidence that inflation in Japan is back. Uh, you know, we see that in some of the online data we collect. I think you can see it in some of the household expectation surveys, uh, and also the breadth and the official data. And so I, I do think ultimately the Bank of Japan will allow yields to drift high. And of course, at the same time, the Minister of Finance, I think, will continue to intervene in the yen. I don't, don't actually think it's a line in the sand. It's just about protecting the yen from a you know, 
what is already quite a significant and almost ridiculous overshoot in the weakness of the currency. So, Mike, I can give you 30 seconds to give me your best trade, uh, trade idea as a way of making money over the next six months. Oh, I, r right now we, we just stick with U.S. assets. So you go with the dollar overshoot, uh, U.S. treasuries, U.S. equities. And, and if you don't want to avoid the U.S., try, try taking the yen against one of the crosses, but just not against the dollar. All right, Michael Metcalf, great to have you with us in the Singapore studio. Michael Metcalf is Global Head of Macro Strategy, State Street Global Markets. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.